This is Dave Burnett. I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The title of today's podcast is The Power of Passover or The Passover Paradigm. Now, some of you may have been taught that Passover is a Jewish holiday, an Old Testament event that Christians just don't celebrate. Well, many years ago, I learned that the old is in the new contained and the new is in the old explained. The New Testament is filled with quotes from the Old Testament, and the Old Testament offers a prophetic understanding of the New Testament. For instance, if you want to understand what Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, you ought to include the Old Testament book of Isaiah in your study, especially chapter 53. Even as a young denominational preacher, Holy Spirit led me to the understanding that the book of Exodus has much to say to instruct our faith in Jesus and our journey into Christian wholeness and maturity. But for today, I want to focus on the events of Exodus chapters 5 through 12. It's in these chapters that Holy Spirit has more recently led me to what I've come to know as the Passover paradigm. According to Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, a paradigm is an example or pattern, an outstandingly clear or typical example or archetype. By implication, it can be the original pattern, a prototype of something. It is in this regard that Passover was originally instituted for the benefit of Israel, God's covenant people. But now it serves as a template or pattern that is designed to benefit those who've come into a covenant relationship with God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. As Exodus chapter 5 begins, the nation of Israel is being held as slaves in Egypt, and Moses has been sent by God to secure Israel's release from captivity. It is at this point we begin the narrative of a series of confrontations between Moses and Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. As we continue reading in the book of Exodus, we see signs, wonders, and plagues that God brought against Egypt through Moses in order to free Israel from their oppression in that land. Ultimately, God sent ten plagues upon Egypt, but of those ten plagues, two are especially meaningful in the understanding of the power of Passover and the Passover paradigm. These two are the plague of darkness and the plague of death of the firstborn. After God had sent eight mighty powerful plagues against Egypt, Pharaoh continued to refuse to let God's people go free. Exodus 10.20 tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. As a result of Pharaoh's stubbornness, God sent a ninth plague upon Egypt, and I call this plague the Passover prequel. In initiating this plague, God instructed Moses to stretch out his hand. As a result of this, darkness came over Egypt. Exodus 10.21 in the NIV Bible describes the darkness that fell on Egypt as a darkness that could be felt. Verse 23 tells us that the darkness was so thick that no one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in their places where they lived. This speaks prophetically to the spiritual darkness we see manifesting in this present day. As a household walking in covenant with the Lord, it may be dark out there in this world system and world order, but as a follower of Jesus... In your dwelling, in the middle of what may seem like gross darkness, there should be light. Every believer's household and dwelling should be a container of miraculous light, revelation, and insight. 
Every covenant household, every Christian home should testify to the greatness of our God, the giver of light. In John eight twelve, in the New King James Version, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In Exodus 10.27, we find that following the plague of darkness, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart once more. In Exodus chapter 11, we find the announcement of yet another plague, the tenth and concluding plague, the death of every firstborn in Egypt. However, God devised a household strategy to deliver the firstborn of Israel from the death of this plague. That strategy has become known as Passover. In this final plague, the death angel would be released upon the firstborn of Egypt at midnight on the 15th day of the month of Nisan. Now, as a point of information, Nisan occurs during either March or April using our present Roman calendar. On the 14th day of Nisan at twilight, prior to the release of the death angel, all the households of Israel were instructed to sacrifice a carefully chosen lamb or goat. Exodus chapter 12 verses 3 and 4 in the Amplified Bible explain it this way. They are to take a lamb or young goat for themselves according to the size of the household of which he is the father. A lamb or young goat for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb to be consumed, let him and his next door neighbor take one according to the number of people, according to what each man can eat. You are to divide the lamb. Once the lamb was slain, the blood was to be used to mark the doorpost and lintel of the household as a point of identification. The lamb was to be prepared for the Passover meal. God's instructions were to eat the lamb in haste. They were to eat all of the lamb or burn the leftovers. They were to be dressed and ready for departure from Egypt. That's according to Exodus chapter 12 verses 6 through 11. When the tenth plague was set in motion, the firstborn of Egypt from every walk and station of life and the firstborn of the livestock were struck down. As death came upon Egypt, God's plan was to pass over each household with the blood of a lamb on the doorpost and lintel. From Israel's perspective, the obvious focus of Passover is the lamb. It was the lamb's blood smeared on the doorpost of the Jewish homes that provided safety from the death angel's fury on that first Passover night. It was the lamb that was the center of the Passover meal that evening. A lamb had to die to save each household. A lamb for a household. It should be especially noted that the deliverance from the plague of death was implemented, again, by household. The instructions were for all of Israel as a whole, but required execution and application by household. The whole nation was delivered because of the obedience of individual households, household by household. In reading Exodus chapter 12, we find the memorial celebration of Passover, or Feast of Unleavened Bread, was set in place as an ordinance for the generations to come. We see that God intended for Hebrew children to be taught about the Lord of the Passover who passed over the homes of the Israelites as he struck down the Egyptians. In Exodus 12:24, God reinforced his expectation that Passover would be celebrated throughout the generations forever. The Lamb of Passover is a prophetic picture of Messiah, Jesus. In John 1.29, John the Baptist referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
In numerous passages in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John refers to the Lamb as a reference to the resurrected, ascended Jesus. Revelation 5-6 specifically refers to the Lamb as one who appears to have been slain. Biblically, Passover continued to have importance into the Christian or New Testament era. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each tell us that Jesus celebrated Passover. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 tell us that the Apostle Paul encouraged New Testament believers to celebrate Passover. Paul specifically refers to Christ as our Passover. The cup of wine and the unleavened bread of the Lord's Supper is a memorial or remembrance of the Lamb of God. What modern believers may refer to as communion was part of the Passover that Jesus celebrated in the upper room with the twelve. To Israel in Exodus, it was an illustration of a promise to come. To the disciples in the upper room, it was a present tense reality. The Passover lamb was among them and about to be slain. And now, even in this modern era, the feast of the Passover has great meaning. According to 1 Corinthians 11, 24-26, the elements of communion are a remembrance a reaffirmation of God's covenant of redemption, deliverance, and restoration. It testifies to us today. Verses 25 and 26 in the Amplified Bible tell us that after supper, that would be the Passover supper in the upper room, he, that is Jesus, took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. Passover is an object lesson, a teaching tool, to thoroughly clarify the nature and impact of the deliverance that Jesus provided for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Indeed, Scripture portrays the Passover as a type, shadow, and a remembrance of Jesus. But I've come to see Passover as a paradigm, a deliverance strategy to be revisited and implemented on a strategic level by the body of Christ in this present age, the 21st century, and beyond. At this point, I'd like to summarize the four elements of the Passover paradigm. The first element of the Passover paradigm is the Lamb. In the book of Exodus, each Israelite household was instructed to choose a lamb. The chosen lamb was at the heart of their gathering. Today, every household has a choice. The correct choice is to put Jesus, the Lamb of God, at the heart of your household. But even if you're presently a household of one, all alone, by yourself, you can make a choice. The best choice you can make is Jesus, your Passover lamb to draw near to his heart, and to remember all he sacrificed for your freedom. I encourage you to take communion, yes, in your house, in your apartment, or wherever you are. Put your faith in the Lamb of God, the one represented in those communion elements. Celebrate Passover and be ready. Be prepared to march out of captivity and slavery, free from the bondage of a past season. The next element of the Passover paradigm is the blood. The blood of the chosen lamb applied to the doorpost promised protection and safety to those who gathered in their households. 
The blood of our Passover lamb is able to protect and deliver your household and mine. Salvation is an individual decision, but a household that honors and remembers the covenant blood of Jesus is a refuge for the prodigal who seeks restoration and redemption. It is a haven from even the deadliest plague. The third element of the Passover paradigm is household. The deliverance of Passover required Israel as a nation to gather as households. I see households of faith as key to the deliverance and restoration of America's God-given destiny. In the Hebrew language of the Old Testament, there are unique words for household, family, tribe, and nation. In the Passover, gathering as a household would be distinct from gathering as a family, which might include multiple households. It would also be distinctive from a tribe or a gathering of multiple families and it was certainly distinctive from a large national gathering. Later on, as Israel advanced beyond Egypt toward the Promised Land, they would assemble or organize according to households, families, and tribes. But the foundation for their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt was found in gathering under the protection of the blood around the body of a lamb, household by household. Learning how to worship and celebrate the blood and body of Jesus in households is foundational to the advancement of God's kingdom plan for America and the nations of the world. The fourth element of the Passover paradigm is favor. For this fourth point, I would like to read Exodus 12, verses 35 through 36 in the Amplified Bible. Now the Israelites had acted in accordance with the word of Moses. And they asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they gave them what they asked. And so they plundered the Egyptians of those things. The obedience of the households participating in the Passover brought favor and provision to Israel as a nation. As Israel's households obeyed God in the keeping of Passover, they not only experienced protection from death and deliverance from bondage, they also experienced favor and provision. Shouldn't we expect these benefits and more from the blood and body of Jesus, our Passover lamb? The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I'm reading again from the Amplified Bible. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come in abundance to you, so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him, and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. As I wrap up today's message, I don't need to tell anyone that these are trying times. As Christians, our faith is being sorely tried, but I want to encourage you and yes, encourage myself as well, to remember that all God provided in the Passover of the Old Testament and in Jesus, our Passover lamb. Friends, Passover is powerful. My hope for the future is in Jesus, our Passover. It's my desire that what I've shared with you today will encourage you and your household to implement God's strategy for protection, deliverance, and provision revealed in the Passover paradigm. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can contact us through our God's Family Plan Facebook page. Our book, God's Family Plan, Establishing Generational Blessing, is available on Amazon.com. Until next time, may God's favor and blessing be multiplied to you and your household. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.